Hello and welcome to the Get French Football News show. On Sunday, PSG put four past Marseille in the first half of the so-called Classique, a rivalry which for some has now been déclassé. Kylian Mbappé and Mauro Icardi have now scored PSG's last 11 goals with the help, of course, from the brilliant Angel Di Maria. Elsewhere, Lille find their new style as they put down an error-prone Bordeaux. Rennes win for the first time in over two months and Lyon, led by their new captain Memphis Depay, obtained their first win under Rudy Garcia. I'm Pierre Paul Birmingham. I have a very good panel for you today. We have Philippe Bargiel. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks How are you doing? Yeah, fine. Not too bad after last night. It's pretty good. Loyal listeners will have heard Philippe at a few, on a few occasions on the preview show this season already. We know that you're a PSG season, season ticket holder. Were you at the big game? Uh, no, I couldn't make it, unfortunately. Oh, that's a shame. Are you able to find someone to take your seat when that's the case? Yeah, of course. Uh, they've, got, they've got this type of uh, scheme where you, uh, you can basically um, put, uh, put some kind of price. Well, they've got an app and uh, they offer you a price range uh, where they tell you, okay, uh, you, you've got that type of seat in that type of category. So if you want uh, your seat to be sold pretty fast, Uh, just set it to mm. such and such price, and it was it was a good price. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's no difficulty to find a taker. No, when it's against well, actually, state. it did take a few weeks, but uh, as, as oh, really? uh, you just knew, you just knew. I mean, you just knew it, that uh, as we came closer to the game, that it was it was going to be sold anyway. Yeah, fair mm. enough. Yeah, Clinton McDubbus, you're here with us as well. Yeah, hi. How are you doing? Great. You've great. been making plenty of appearances lately, both on the GFFN show and the preview show. Yes, I have. I have. I've been having a lot of fun. That's good um, to hear. Enjoying the show. Yeah. And how did your Valencia do this weekend? Oh, it was horrible. We considered <laughs> 29 shots. Oh, 29 God. shots. We lost 3-1. It was terrible. Oh, dear. <laughs> well, I, I, I have empathy for you. And finally, with us too, Muhammad Ali. Hello. Mo, uh, did, did you hear the news that, uh, I mean, you must have seen this, I think, that Marseille has entered the podcast scene? <laughs> In what way? Well, <laughs> they released, they, they made this announcement that they uh, yeah, now have actually, a podcast. I, yeah, I know what you're referring to, and it seems a bit pointless to launch it with... Um... A 56-second um, <laughs> snippet just to release the team news. I found it a bit pointless, to be honest. But It, it, it was the strangest thing I've ever listened to. It is what it is, yeah. And in fact, I didn't even listen to it. I was unable to hear any sound. So according to yeah. other people, it lasted 56 seconds, and they only listed the names of the players Indeed. in the matchday squad. And they called that a podcast. So, so far, the yeah. competition for us is not too, uh, too difficult. Exactly. I think the bar's, the bar's set a little bit too low there. Yeah. Well, anyways, let's go on and talk about, of course, the big match, one of the biggest match matches uh, in any season in France, PSG Marseille. Final score four nil for PSG with two goals from Kylian Mbappe, two goals from Mauro Icardi, and three assists from Angel Di Maria. Philippe, what a trio! 
Yeah, it started. Um, it's, well, actually, I'm, uh, I actually uh, missed the first opening uh, five minutes, but mm. um, it did it did feel to me like this wasn't our best performance. That uh, Marseille were basically giving loads of space. They put loads of space between the back line. So Kamara and Kalitaka, who are mm. not the, not the greatest uh, defenders in in Liga, but haven't had haven't done too badly so far this season. But, you know, they've just left loads of space for Di Maria to, to run into. Sometimes he was offside, sometimes he wasn't. And uh, he was he was really um, uh, making a lot, of, a lot of trouble in the Marseille back line. So he kind of got to Mbappe. Mbappe, I don't know if uh, anyone else picked up on that, but I, I, I felt that Mbappe was getting really annoyed that uh, he kind of got two goals and that, and that he wasn't on the score sheet <laughs> at some point. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I'm not... I'm still not impressed by that uh, Mitchell trio. So Herrera, who's uh, who's basically a jack of all trades, master of none, basically a, a modern-day Philip Neville. Marquinhos, who's who's uh, um, holding midfield just in front of the defence, and Verratti, who's not an attacking midfield, but he can make things happen. It was just very easy to put Di Maria and Mbappe in between the defence and Mandanda, who had a who had a pretty pretty good game. I thought he was uh, he uh, he's had much worse. Um, and the uh, second half, yeah, didn't well. Nothing really, nothing really happened. And uh, a lot of people I've been talking uh, talking to, so here in Paris, uh, so it's a, it's a shame because uh, we could have made uh, history. This could have easily been <laughs> seven, eight, nine nil. Uh, something to do with uh, Southampton v Leicester. It could have been it could have been that type of evening, but they didn't. Well, I don't know. Uh, they probably had their their, their reasons, but. Uh, Good enough, probably well, Mo, was the you know disaster of a, of a record loss avoided because something changed in the second half? And, and what was the plan originally for, for Andrew Villas-Boas? Yeah, no, a lot of things did, did change. I just wanted to underline what Phil just mm-hmm. said. Um, it was, I mean, there was a case that I actually noticed that Mbappe was being a bit too selfish, for want of a word, when he had an mm-hmm. opportunity to square for Icardi. Yeah, um, mm. for the hat trick, um, and didn't. <laughs> mm. Um, so I realized that maybe yeah, he um wanted a bit of the action. Of course, when Marseille is giving gifts left, right, and center, who wouldn't? Who wouldn't want to, you know, uh, take, take the, the free opportunities that were provided last night? Um, the original plan, I mean, there's some discussion in terms of what Villas Boas uh, tried to produce yesterday, and it was, I mean. You know, this is a game in which, especially given the current context of the calendar in which OM have to play several top teams over the next couple of days and weeks, um, you know, it's it's about saving sort of, you know, the team, saving uh, sort of players' efforts in a game that everyone can put, sort of understand that there's very little chance that OM would, you know, get a point or not, uh, or anything more. Um, and... He's obviously has to sort of juggle and balance expectations in terms of does he park the bus or does he sort of try and play PSG at some sort of their own game, whether it's possession-based football, whether it's on the counter or whether it's absorbing that midfield and sort of pressing PSG high. Um, and it's worked to some extent in terms of OM have countered the Parc de France there. Yeah, in occasion, looking to really just sit back and absorb that pressure. It worked most famously in Rudy Garcia's first game in 2016. 
Mm. And it also worked to some extent in the fixture in March this year where OM really did limit PSG to just one goal and then hit back immediately after in the second half, which I think was in the 40 seconds when Valer Shaman hit you guys. And, and the game had been fairly balanced before Stedmanlander got sent off um, and the game took its natural course. Um, and unfortunately, you know, I, I can't blame Villas-Boas for deciding to sort of switch it up a little bit, especially, uh, you know, having looked at how Nice and Club Brugge had approached this game over the last couple of uh, days um, against PSG, um, but it went it went horribly wrong. It went really, really badly wrong, and it wasn't so much a defensive four three three that um, you know Villas Boas had opted. It wasn't sort of the same eleven aside from Payet coming back in place of Radonjic um, that beat Strasbourg last week. It was really something quite weird in that. You know, Rongier and uh, Lopez were pressing really high. I mean, the whole team were pressing quite high, but Strootman being as immobile as he is, being left in that sea of midfield, um, it just went really, really wrong. And then obviously conceding four goals in 40 minutes, uh, many of which came down to individual errors. Nothing changed mm. up until the second half where um, we, OM had gone to a balanced 4-4-2 had absorbed the, you know, the ball a bit better. But at that point, you know, PSG were well on their way. And, um, you know, you could be, it was clear to see that they'd taken the foot off the gas and, you know, the, the opportunity to sort of, you know, squeeze tightly on OM's neck had sort of dissipated. And Tuchel himself was a bit angry last night in terms of how that second half had gone. Um, but I think we can, you know, especially from a Marseille angle, we can all breathe a massive sigh of relief that the game ended with the scoreline that it did. <laughs> yeah, certainly. And I think the last goal illustrated somewhat how that, you know, the risk of, of the pressing, the pressing almost could have worked. But what, what happened with the last goal was that we see they, they almost pushed PSG to the mistake, Keylor Navas and, and some of the defenders. And somehow PSG build out of that and 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 Angel Di Maria finds Mbappe with, you know, an outside of the foot pass, which, by the way, wasn't even his best outside of the foot assist of the week. Um <laughs> Clinton, what do you make of this uh, little mini competition between Mbappe and and uh, Icardi? Do, is there anything to read in Mbappe's celebration? Nah, I don't think it's that deep. I think that, um, <laughs> it's it's normal, and um, I understand that Mbappe is very competitive. He's he has gotten to that point where he wants to you know do as much as he can. So it's understandable that when his partner is getting goals, he would also want to get on the score sheet. But overall, I think he was just having fun during that game. And once he got his goal, the mm-hmm. first one, I mean he was he was good. Um, but overall, talking on the game, um, I get what AVB was trying to do with the pressing, but it's just ill-advised when you have Mbappe on the pitch. It's just the last verse because you end up, you know, having a high line, and that's like the worst thing to have when you know Killian is playing. It's just horrible. But um, I think he he sorted that out in the second half. But what I noticed though was that um, they played very narrow. They um, must mm-hmm. played narrow. That's why there was so much space, you know, in wide areas. They. They, 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 of course, they tried to press, you know, across and all of that. But most of the time, we found that they were leaving spaces, you know, out wide 
in their own half, and that's that's where PSG were able to capitalize mostly. But overall, I thought um, Ranger had a very good game. Uh, it's, it's my favorite midfielder in Ligon, not named Verratti, so <laughs> I absolutely enjoyed his performance. And he was one pressing high. That, that, was, that was also a bit weird, him and uh, Maxim Lopez going all the way forward to press and all that. And that, that last goal, the, um, the one where PSG almost made a mistake and then it led to the goal, that, that was actually, that could have worked. They came very close to winning that ball. And yeah. then somehow PSG played out of that and in the blink of an eye, there was a goal. So I, I get, I, like I said, I get what AVB was trying to do, but I, I feared the worst at halftime when I saw this score. I think um, PSG, like like the others have said, PSG, you know, put their took their foot off the pedal in the second half, and I mean they just they just played it simple. And of course, Marseille had chances to at least score one goal, and they just didn't take it. But um, before the Icardi goal, was it, yeah, I think it was before the Icardi goal. I think um, Marseille had two chances to score, mm. and there was one where Dario had should have just hit it one time. And it was up against um, Kimpembe, and he didn't take the shot, and then Verratti came uncovered. And then there was the second one with um, Valerie Germain, when he shot high, when he got a chance. And immediately after that, I think um, Ikaji scored, Kamara lost him, and then he scored. And then from there, it was just one-way traffic, really. But overall, um, Marseille should be very relieved that that game ended just 4-0, because it could have been, could have been worse. It really could have been. I've got two things to, to add to what you just said. Um, uh, first, uh, the, the Mbappe element. There's been uh, a couple of uh, couple of friends, couple of acquaintances, uh, who have had a, a bit of a problem with uh, with some kind of ego-filled um, interviews he gave lately, especially the one at, at Bruges in Belgium, uh, where he said that he proved that he he was a great player and this and that and the other. Which is which is all true. I mean, nobody is disputing that, and that he he will be one of the one of the greatest players in the next in the next decade. But that uh, those types of interviews are new, and uh, not everyone is very appreciative of them. So it's, it must be very hard for him to uh, to basically uh, be on the pitch and be absolutely perfect and. Uh, and not uh, not do or say anything wrong. But uh, a lot of people have uh, have come out and sort of criticize him for being a bit too arrogant in those in those interviews which i really i mean i, I really don't mind i mean uh, a football player should be uh, should be praised for what he does on the football pitch not on the not in the, yeah. not in the media and uh i want to talk about uh, i wanted to, to mention something about kim Pembe. i'm not even sure I, i'm i've been really impressed with him um uh but on yeah. the other hand that's, that's what i am kind of kind of scared of is that I'm not I'm not sure what he would do uh, given uh, decent pressing, uh, correct pressing, uh, proper mm. pressing. That's that's a word. Um, and uh, if uh, do we even know if he's improved from last season and that handball? I'm not even sure. I'm not even sure we will know until we face decent opposition in the Champions League. But I, I thought I mean. Actually, was very. Um, he has been very, very composed uh, in in his game, and uh, I, he's he's honestly giving me a bit of a headache in, into uh, determining uh, what our best centre back pairing in that four three should be. 
Thiago Silva had uh, had a great game uh, last night, um, but uh, who should be? So he 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 would play, I would think. Every single game, he'd probably be the first one on the school, on the team sheet for Thomas Tuchel. But uh, who would uh, who would be next to him? So Viking Pembers proves that he's yeah he's, he's pretty good. But how how good would he be in uh, in the big uh, with the big boys? And that's the thing about being the peers you fan, you just don't know until <laughs> you know it happens. Moments come. Very frustrating. You you have to. Uh... Concentrate on the Champions League, as Vidas uh, Boa said after the game, <laughs> for some reason. Uh, it's true that Kimpembe, you know, sometimes if he makes one mistake, there's more to come. Um, he starts to lose confidence. We, we've seen that before, even yeah. in the French national team. Um, but I guess the centre-back pairing, Philippe, it, it probably depends on who's available in midfield or unavailable in midfield, because Marquinhos has a second home there uh, these yeah. days. Yeah. Philippe, do you think um, Icardi, the, his buy clause is what, 70 million euros? Yeah. He's looking I, like I, a, a good replacement for Cavani, huh, next summer? Yeah, I would think so. Uh, um, there was uh, quite a bit of specula speculation about uh, um, uh, Cavani's fitness. Nobody's really uh, discussing, I mean, um, even contemplating the facts of uh, criticizing the guy because he's He's been um, scoring goals for fun for the last uh, what five seasons. He took the helm from mm. Zlatan Ibrahimovic, like like a duck to water. But uh, people have been saying, you know, it's maybe time to move on into something uh, something a bit better. And to be honest, a lot of people were quite um, critical of uh, of the type of uh, person that Icardi would be in the in the mm. dressing room, especially when we already have a. A bit of a nod job in that in that respect, in <laughs> Neymar. So we just we're not quite sure. But again, if Mbappe doesn't score this place, does does this thing does does this win go as smoothly as as it has? I'm really not sure. And uh, well, we can't really can't really criticise uh, Icardi yet because all he's done is been scoring goals. All he's done is 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 to is uh, to score to score goals. So you know, kudos. To, Kudos to him. You just don't know what's going to happen when things could could, uh, could boil over. But uh, I doubt I doubt it would happen in um, in the uh, in the league, and mm. uh, I sincerely doubt it would happen in the in the cup competitions too. Given given that we, I mean we we did lose uh, the Coupe de France final to Rennes uh, last uh, April or last last May. Mm. So I'm pretty sure everybody was gonna is gonna take this quite seriously. And that's uh, yeah. Once again, we'll know the metal once once a draw is made against a uh, probably below par team that will lose against or something like yeah. that. Yeah, that's his. Uh, I think it's the fifth match in a row where he scores for Paris. So he yeah. he's the man on form. I mean, I well, would get. Sorry, I would, yeah. I would sign him. I would probably be, mm. probably do some kind of a, I don't know some kind of a, a swap uh, if into one Cavani. Not that they need him. Because they've got Lukaku. Well, Cavani's uh, contract is running out next summer. Okay. So. Yeah, yeah. So he can go where he wants. Then. Yeah. I'm not sure I would. Yeah, I'm not sure I would. Uh, would extend his uh, his stay. Not yeah, sure he's with, uh, he's had some yet. problems with injuries. I, I guess in the past few months now. Um, it hasn't been that bad. I mean, we've had worse, like Neymar. Yeah, but that that's a whole <laughs> different question. Always. <laughs> 
Um, Mo, uh, one of the big talking points in the build-up to this match and even kind of, you know, after it is the question of is this rivalry still as big as it used to be? Where do you stand on, on that? Um, it's a good question. Um, it's a big question and at risk, I don't want to take sort of the full hour that we've allotted mm. to this podcast. <laughs> I, think, I think what people need to realise is that they're there are two levels here, and PSG are several uh, rungs above OM uh, currently. Um, and the fixture is not it's not a rivalry anymore. It isn't their superiority. PSG are clearly the better uh, club um, in terms of or sort of the better playing staff, not the better club, in my own humble opinion. Um, <laughs> but um, you know, many of the missteps. That has happened uh, for Marseille are clearly self-inflicted in terms of uh, the champions project, the players that have been chosen, the, the scouting, the managerial developments, etc. Of course, and I think any Marseille fan will be the first to admit, uh, you know, where the club has gone wrong. Um, but it really is sort of the equivalent of men against boys here, um, you mm. know. And when you, you know, I mean, AVB has done for me right in playing down expectations this week because Marseille fans are notoriously hot-headed even when there's a clear <laughs> even when there's a clear misbalance like it was in the Europa League final people always always expect and that's just passion and you know you know whatever it might be but in this fixture um what we've got is a 600 million a season team against a team uh whose season budget is a fifth of that that is just the 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 bare facts and anybody who who says otherwise is either lying to themselves or clearly not in possession of the whole you know the full facts um we've tried i mean i think what you can say what you can what you can give props to paris Saint Germain is that this is the domestic equivalent of a big team such as real madrid or Bayern Munich, whoever it might be coming to the Parc de france and their fans demand excellence they demand their money's worth they demand um, intensity, and mm. that's what you happens. That's what happens in recent years when big teams such as you saw Real Madrid uh, just last month, Barcelona in previous years as well, and and whatnot. When they come to Paris, the Parc de France expects a show, and they re- they more often than not receive it. You can forgive Paris Saint Germain when they win ten games in a row and twelve or whatever, um, and then they. You know, drop points against the likes of Gangam, against Ram, against you know whoever it might be. It happens. It happens when, especially when they've won X amount of games in a row and whatever. This fixture is one that still both sets of fans mark in the calendar. They mm. know it's always going to come in in October at some point and in March um, at some point. Okay, and every team looks forward to its home game against the other. The Velodrome games, you can see the the way that the, you know they are big. You know sort of, you know, they're bigged up in the media and stuff and whatnot. And the same in the Parc de Pans, as we saw yesterday, you know, it's, it's a, there's a whole sort of pre-match show and, and, and whatnot. Other than that, you know, PSG will always give 20 to 30% more in this game than their other domestic fixtures. And I've heard quite a few times this weekend, well, why can't you, you know, replicate the tactics of Ram or Gangong or all these other all teams? But PSG don't approach this game like the same way as That's true. Saturday... Saturday afternoon kickabout on the back of nine direct wins, especially when they play their B teams or or are able to rest. I mean, they had the firepower of Di Maria um, 
Mbappe and Icardi against the likes of Saar and and Chaleta Saar and Camara and such, you know, there is a massive imbalance there. There is an imbalance. And I don't want to get into sort of the ins and outs of financial advantages and the reasons of why PSG, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, PSG are too big for this league. They grew quickly and more decisively than what the league could handle. Fair enough, that's their own prerogative. I mean, I, I can't say that I wouldn't want Marseille to be in that position, you know, had the shoe been on the foot. Um, but the end, you know, the, that has contributed to 16, I think, or 17 wins and three draws against Marseille. They are well within their rights to enjoy it. They are well within their rights to claim superiority, etc. But you know, the bare fact is is that this is not a rivalry anymore, and that Lyon are the kingmakers. In that PSG <laughs> Lyon and Marseille Lyon are, in fact, the league's most exciting games. Uh, because Leon always somehow pull off a result against PSG, more likely at home. Um, and Marseille Leon oh, is always a nasty affair, uh, a nasty, exciting, fiery affair with so many subplots and red cards, etc. They are the league's sort of showcase games at the moment. PSG Marseille is not. And the old school PSG fans and the old school Marseille fans recognise that in the 90s and, and the early 2000s, you know, this was a game that can offer so much. And it's also in Marseille's interest to really, you know, put their heart out as well when they approach these games. And last night, we didn't get that. In the three times that Marseille have gotten points from this game, they gave 100%. You know, you have to give 100% in this game, and that didn't happen. Yeah. We spoke about the early, the early 2000s. Um, we could even stretch up to the early 2010s. Yes, Marseille of course, yeah. There. Yeah, when Marseille actually won the league, uh, the only trophy they won uh, since since the Tapit era is, is quite funny yeah. because uh, actually on Keep as, as I'm as I'm speaking, there's a huge documentary on on Bernard Tapie and all this, all, all oh, the success he bought in the early nineties, um, and uh, and yeah, I do remember. I mean, I, I remember going. I must have gone to four or five classicos. Um, uh, well, in, in at the Parc des Princes, I tried to go to one at Marseille, but uh, that was the one who was uh, called off because of the chicken pox or whatever. Uh, <laughs> basically, my friend told me get off the train. The game's cancelled, so I got off the train, and probably, it probably, it probably was a good thing because I, I probably would have mm. died. Um, <laughs> so it, those games, I mean, the, the very, the very first games I went. I mean, we're talking about the era of uh, Nene Wao, Mevlut Erding. Clément Chantum uh-huh. and players who really are not oh, the same as Marquinhos, Virati, uh, Icardi, Neymar, and what what have you. Exactly. But it was it was it was great. For, that that was a rivalry back then. Though. That was a rivalry. That was when Manzan started yeah. to play. It was a rivalry feel, and it was yeah. you know it was mainly two balanced two balanced teams. Um, yeah. And it is, it is well the fact it was know, it is, more fun it, exactly it is what it is, and it was a match befitting of sort of the schedule and the promos around it. And you know you've you've seen a lot of you know tweets and and whatnot this whole weekend, and especially when it's just come round about PSG fans. And it is, and I'm I mean, some people may take umbrage in you know with what I'm about to say, but it is mainly the new over you know nouveau riche PSG fans who only know global supremacy who. <laughs> who've you know, been a product of the internationalization of the club, um, yeah. who've only really known 
the Ibrahimovic era, the you know the Neymar and and all this sort of stuff, and they've never known uh, you know a, a Marseille, a strong Marseille, or a, a very strong Lyon, or or whatever it might be. So for them, it's mainly you know all of a joke. But I think you know it is a bit sad um, the way that it's panned out. And it's a shame. you know Marseille, Marseille. The thing is, the weird thing is that Marseille do have a source of income in Frank McCourt, but because of financial fair play. Um, they are, they don't have access to the, those funds because of the debt that the club's already in, the failure to qualify for the Champions League, and other you know separate malaises. And you have to remember, Frank McCourt is one man. Unfortunately, what PSG had taken advantage of is having several agencies related to QSI who have been able to sponsor, um, you know, to the tune of 20 million, 40 million, 60 million. You've got you know, Ojedu, QMB, all these other teams, uh, all these other entities. Whereas Frank McCourt is one man, so it's highly unlikely that he's able to get. I don't know TGI Fridays or or whatever you know <laughs> to, to add, you know chuck a chuck an extra 10 15 million Marseille's way it is what it is I mean I hope that once Marseille somehow clamber back up to the Champions League and and you know the you know, the, the financial austerity is lifted that there can be uh, something better and I think at, le- at the very least the Velodrome games are more interesting to um, watch because obviously. It's a different kettle of fish for PSG than what they expected, what they're yeah. used to in Ligue 1, because you know the whole city mm. turns out there's sixty thousand plus. Whereas even yesterday was a bit of a procession. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, I and also too much time. No away yeah. fans. Oh, yeah, exactly. I was about to say in a lot of away matches for PSG, the stadium is half full with you know local PSG fans or kind of new PSG fans that can make some noise, especially when Paris score. When they go to Marseille, I don't think that's as much the case and as you as you were just saying phil yeah away fans i think that's a big loss for for this match that there haven't been away fans for what is it now four years i think yeah it's... and i mean i know i know that final and ajax in holland they do that because you know when when fans go to the other cities they burn they literally burn the oh, town God. Uh, but it really doesn't happen that way in in a in a classico. I mean, Marseille are in in a very tight Marseille fans. I'm talking about. Mm. Uh, they're not in great numbers. There's maybe one thousand tops, and um, they're in uh, water, they're surrounded by watertight security. Absolutely nothing can happen to them. And uh, even even if they did, I mean, our ultras are really not as violent as they used to be. I mean, they're nowhere near as violent as they used to be. I mean, first of all, there's, there's, there's only one ultra group left. And mm. um, it really isn't, uh, shall we say, uh, well known for being uh, fighters anymore. It's yeah. uh, it's, more, it's, more the, it's more the PSG funds, the, the old school PSG funds, Went to the games in the early 2000s when we, you know, we we almost went down. Uh, we had to win games at socials uh, to ensure not to not to go down. Those are the bitter bitter fans who want to who 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 want to want to have a fight. But the guys who actually go to the stadium, a lot of them, they just want to go. They, they just want to go and see a PSGM fan uh, match. Sorry, and yes, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it so that they can put it on on social media. But. Mm. What can I say? That's that's the way it's panned out, and I just can't see it changing. That now, one thing I, I would I would like to uh, well take take this uh, conversation to, to one more point here. It, it would it would be it would be that I just don't see Marseille uh, unless they get serious serious money. I mean, talking talk about loads and loads of cash. 
uh, into getting into the Champions League and staying in the Champions League. Because we've seen the results of the French clubs this, seat, uh, this week, and they're, they're absolutely rubbish, except for the PSG win at Bruges 5-0. Except from that, Lyon, Lyon, Lyon losing to, to Benfica, it's not the end of the world. I mean, I'm not going to, you know... Uh, uh, surprise anyone? Uh, I mean, we PSG used to lose to Benfica a lot, get knocked out by Benfica all the time. Um, uh, Lille, Lille home draw. Uh, Marseille can't. Uh, uh, sorry, Saint Etienne can't beat aside from Ukraine or whatever. Alexander, <laughs> they're from Ukraine, aren't they? They are. They yeah, are. They are. Uh, well, and Rennes had a great had a great idea. Edouard Mendy. We'll probably talk about that guy later on. Uh, Edouard Mendy get, gets uh, gets sent off uh, after after four minutes. His his replacement. He's never played a, 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 a single game of professional football. He he's supposed to defend the free kick. He defend he defends his, He's supposed to defend his. He sides a goal. He goes sideways, basically leaving an open goal. So you know, I mean, not not going to say this, but it's a good thing. It's a good thing we're we're decent in Europe. Uh, because I just, uh, I really, everybody hopes that Marseille will get loads of money and be at PSG's level at some point. I mean, literally everyone in in the country, because a rival, it, it should it should go back to where it is. It should be two sides being at the same level. And to be honest, I mean, when you were were great, when you were winning uh, uh, seven league titles in a row, this was the time when we had the best PSG OM games, because we were both shit. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, I think the question of whether Marseille can stay in the Champions League when they get there, we'll address it in, in more detail another day. Mm. Uh, once, yeah. once. <laughs> just one, one just one final thing. I do believe that the biggest rivalry in French football today is Marseille versus Lyon, hands down. Well, I see. I again, I th- we'll talk about that when when it comes around uh, later in the season. I think because I have views i have a divergent view from you on, on that one i do think you guys are right in saying that you know sportively it, it's not a competitive rivalry anymore it's very one-sided but there is this cultural r- kind of rivalry between paris and marseille beyond just football that but, still uh, plays so- a part even though it's a little bit dormant uh, at the moment due to the lack of diversity in results i guess um, when... Even 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 in that even in that scenario, yeah, there is will always be some sort of animosity and yeah, the cultural side of it, I guess. But then, mm. how can you not exploit that when there's no fans in the stadium? Exactly. I mean, no, it's, that's it's, yeah. It's a massive, you know, it's a massive own goal for for me. Um, you know, the whole point is that maybe, I mean, for some reason, somehow they do still turn up. Um, I really enjoyed uh, in the game earlier this year, the Parc de France, where Valencia man scored for OM, and he still managed to go. <laughs> Go over to celebrate with some fans um, <laughs> who had planted themselves in the stadium, much to the chagrin of the rest of the Parisian supports who yeah. started pelting some stuff. But yeah, no, it's something we want to see and something that we hope. That well, the French, the French government announced today they had a, you know, they were going to try to reduce the number of of travel bans and so on. But I wasn't no. very convinced by that announcement. Yeah. No, nobody's convinced, man. No. Yeah. It seemed more like a kind of token announcement. You know, anyway, it's not. It's not only uh, PSG Marseille. Uh, it's everywhere. Have, absolutely, yeah. A hundred well, times last season, thirty times already this season that they've banned away fans from from just, matches, which is ridiculous. Just, I agree. It's stupid. It's just. I mean, this basically tells you that we're not a football country. Basically, that, that that's a 
uh, police have uh, bigger fish to fry than uh, taking care of uh, of uh, much going funds on on away trips. I mean, and and there are games where I'm pretty sure nobody gives a shit about the away funds, and that they're not, you know, yeah. they're not. Uh, they're, they're yeah, not, no, uh, I, I agree. Allowed uh, allowed to to go to, to go to the away games. It's just it's just you know silly. But anyway, on Wednesday, uh, Marseille play Monaco in the Coupe de la Ligue. Uh, it's the round of 32, even though there aren't 32 teams because the six teams that qualified for Europe last season only come in uh, at the next round. That includes the holders Strasbourg. I, I don't really think we're going to preview this one because we no one ever knows how seriously managers are going to take the Coupe de la Ligue, who's going to play. And very, so. very seriously. <laughs> well, I, I didn't I want to ask you. I hope Villas takes it very seriously. <laughs> I did want to ask you, seeing as this is the last chance ever for anyone to win the Coupe de la Ligue, surely people should, you know, make more exactly. of an effort than usual. Exactly, and I think, and I think that there's either two options for the final. It would be either PSG Lyon or Lille or Monaco or Marseille, depending on how the draw goes. Or yeah, of course. One team is going to go all the way, um, based on it being, you know, the last opportunity. And for me, for personally being a Marseille fan, it's it's a great opportunity because obviously we've won that trophy three times this decade. People mm -hmm. do seem to forget that, but yeah, <laughs> it'll be a great it'll be a great way to sort of end our own trophy draft, but also um, you know honor the competition in sort of what is given OM obviously bit you know after its long trophy drought. So tomorrow, I mean it's tomorrow, tomorrow Wednesday, you know playing at Monaco, having you know won there just a couple of weeks ago, and it coming so soon off that PSG game, it will be a great opportunity. Uh, for Villas Boas to sort of rectify that defeat and start, you know, start again. So I'm hoping for a good game. I'm, you know, Slimani's out for Monaco. I think you know, Ben Yedder might be uh, too. Yeah, exactly. So there's there's an opportunity, and given that you know, Germain could play up front, Redonish is fresh from the weekend. Mali Aki has looked a very, you know, promising, uh, the young substitute. Mm. So I mean, there's uh, and Alvaro Gonzalez should be back in terms of getting match fit for the weekend yeah. so it's it's a good opportunity and i really hope that you know om do go find this competition because we've gone out of the first round the last two years um, I, I i will yeah. say that um ending a trophy drought is not uh, it doesn't feel as good as you might think it would because the day after you've won a trophy you're on to the next drought so <laughs> it's, it's a never-ending <laughs> process that's true i, I think um, mo knows that who yeah I think Mo knows that very well. You oh know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the last drought was like what every 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 eleven months winning the yeah. Yeah. and then now it's been seven eight years now. So right, let's move on to a team that put an end to a so, win. Just a minute, we're, we're not in the Coupe de la Ligue. No, you next round. Oh, the next round. Okay. Yeah, not this week. The 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 yeah the um. Sorry, is it the round of 16 or the round of 32 it's that's the, this week? It's the round of... I, oh, I, doubt, think, it's, oh, it's, I think it's 16. Um, no, because there's 10 matches. Round, round of 16. Round of 16 yeah, because there's 16. There's, there's 10 matches. Yeah, six sides of Europe coming back. Yeah, what I always thought the next yeah. round would be quarterfinals, whether Europe... Yeah, 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 that's what it is. Um, which is kind of, I always thought that was kind of cheap. Coming in at the quarterfinals, half the work is done. Anyways, yeah. we, we should really toss this competition. It's useless. Whatever. It's going. This is the last edition. Oh, good. Yeah. 
Right. On to Rennes. Clinton. Rennes 3 to lose yeah. nil. Uh, last minute winner from uh, the young uh, Gboho for Rennes, uh, yeah. who's only 18, first goal ever. What did you think of that? Oh, I, in fact, um, it meant a lot to him the way he celebrated our goals. Mm. It was amazing. And he had just only been on the pitch for what, three minutes, two minutes, and, and he was able to get that goal. Um, overall, though, we saw the usual run thing of blowing leads, they blew it to zero lead. And I actually <laughs> really thought that was going to end, you know, 2-2. Two, two. But um, more importantly, um, oh, it was strange to see a Toulouse game that had five goals. Like, we that, really that, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> it was crazy. So, like, I had to ask myself, is is it because um, of Toulouse? Like, is it because of Kambuare? Or is it because of Ron's... Um, Really, really, really not very good defense because that like almost never happens. But overall, um, I think um, it was great for Ron to finally get a win after so long. I mean, I can't. I think the last their last win was in August, and we talked about uh, you know Stefan previously mm. and the fact that you know he was was probably going to be given some more time to fix you know the. The problems, but I mean, his his time was running out, so he really, really needed that win. Um, Toulouse, on their part, very good effort. Um, I mean, Combora has come in and uh, they won the previous game against Lille, and they scored two goals and almost got a draw in this game. So I think um, there are many well, positives to take from that. It's, it yeah. started pretty bad, and he took off uh, Ibrahim Sangare after only 28 minutes. Which is yeah, always yeah, yeah. always a hurtful that. thing. Yeah, I saw that. But I mean, somehow that worked because they were mm. able to get back into the game and and get to two. I wonder what is going to happen now with Sangare. If it's, I mean, obviously he's, he's a very key player, so um, he'll probably be back in the lineup by the next game. But you never know. I mean, when a manager does that, takes takes a player off that fast, then usually it doesn't bode well for the player. There's possibility that he might just starts on the bench or something but um mm. i think sangari is too important to to be permanently dropped like that yeah. uh, but um max Gradel just keeps i mean working miracles there the free kick was beautiful the free kick he scored was beautiful to bring them to two and it's just a shame that they weren't able to you know keep that result and they, they ended up conceding that goal but i think um the outcome, despite the outcome for Toulouse, I think there, there are a lot of positives to take from that. The fact that they were able to make that comeback and score two goals and, you know, they almost left with a draw. And for Ron, I think um, it, it was great to finally win. They might be able to now build on this and, you know, probably start getting wins in the bag because it's been a long time. Yeah. The last win was on the 25th of August. That's two months ago. That's, that's a Absolutely. really long time ago. And so, um, yeah. It was good to see that, uh, you know, Stefan, after the, even after the loss in, in the Europa League, uh, he still has the support of the players and of the fans. And, you yeah. know, they were rewarded for that on Sunday. Yeah, they were. I, I was really, really surprised that, um, you know, there, there hasn't been about, oh, a lot more people haven't, you know, Come up against him, but I guess it's probably because of his connection to the club and all that. But um, 
overall, uh, I think it was a great. It, it, it probably would turn out to be a great decision to not be hasty and fire him. I think mm. the same also of Strasbourg, because um, over there as well. I mean, in this era where everybody is just, you know, very, there's always that pressure to get results in the back. Once you you drop three, uh, once you lose three, four, four games or don't get the win in it, four five games, then obviously the hammer starts coming but um it's great to see patience in, in french football currently i mean we can't see the same for toulouse of course because they just fired their manager no longer ago um mm. casanova but um i think it's great to see patience and i think um, probably to pay off because i mean one aren't a bad team and of course he, he just won them a trophy uh last last season so um, it's good to see and hopefully it will pay off. I think um, this is a good sign. This game was a good sign that you know, things would... Because it's a game that they really, 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 really were supposed to win and they, they were able to get that result in the end. So I think it's a good sign going forward. I think that um, they would be able to put together some form, hopefully, and um, do better, yeah. This, and he, this reminds me a bit of uh, Sabri Lemouchi against that last season, a bit. Uh, um, well, um, mm. Stefan didn't, didn't get sacked yet, um, but uh, I thought that uh, Lamouchi did a pretty good job with Rennes and uh, got sacked because uh, the players were tired of playing European football, and uh, the results weren't that that good. It turned out it turned out to be a good um, a good decision to uh, to set Lamouchi and put Stefan on, as they they went on to win the Coupe de France. But um, yeah, I mean, the, the ads could have fallen on him, and, and it didn't. And I, I honestly think it shouldn't. Uh, I think they should stick with him. And uh, if if by by that time this uh, next season haven't progressed, which I think they, I think they'll stay in the same uh, same vein, shall we say, in and around you know mid, upper mid table, something like that, something like seventh, eighth, something like that. Um, they, could, yeah. they should stick with him because he's uh, yeah he's a he's a decent decent man manager, shall we say. It's especially my manager. I'm not not quite sold out on his tactics, but no, definitely. Uh, any thoughts to add to this one, Mo, or shall we move to Lille? Um, I mean, I was very enthused to actually see Ren win um, at the <laughs> weekend. I thought it was really, really good to see their um, the the players celebrate with the coach. Yeah. Um, yeah, for the first goal, which, which could have actually gone all tits up considering they were pulled back to two two. But I think it was easy. <laughs> it's easy to see in this in this league in that you know where you know, there's five teams on fifteen points. There's ten points that separate the whole league for PSG. Um, it's easy to draw conclusions. Um, I mean, we've had the coaches you know be in a bit of hot water, but I think what Julian Stefan has been trying to build at home and. You know, it may be, it, there's been a couple of bumps in the road, but there is communion between the fans, the players, and the coach. And yeah. it's just about replicating, you know, working hard on the training ground, cutting out errors. I mean, there were a couple of major errors of the weekend uh, still that allowed uh, Toulouse to creep in back into the game. And you mm. saw with that first effort they had after 20 seconds. Um, yeah, no, I, it's just, you know, it's... I did mention last week that I expect them to go up the table and really, you know, they could be possibly in the Europa League places by, you know, Saturday, Sunday. Um, and then everyone, everything will be more or less forgotten um, for yeah. now. So it's, you know, it was good uh, to get that win off, you know, off their chest. And yeah, now they can 
focus on chaining the victories before the international break. Yeah. On to uh, Lille Bordeaux in that case, which was a it was an intriguing uh, kind of tactical matchup. Uh, I found uh, very one-sided match. However, it gave a three-nil win for Lille. Clinton, what what did you think? What do you think of um, Lille's new formation with the three at the back and the kind of wing backs that they first tried against Valencia and now has worked yeah. very well against Bordeaux? I think it's perfect. I think <laughs> that um, I think um, Gautier has stumbled on something that works, and I don't think he's going to change it anytime soon because um, there's just this solidity now both defensively and in attack because you know that you have Zeki Celik who is really good in attack and it just gives him more freedom to go forward um, while there's still that you know solidity at, at the back and you, I mean he was on that one the penalty um, which Koscielny cost because he just somehow mm. drove into the box and all of that so I think um, that for me that that is the key you know, um, Celik himself, the, 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 his role in this new formation and also the license he gives to Benjamin Andre, both at, in, in attack, to go forward, because we've also seen how that has ripped benefits. Against Valencia, he had like five key passes or something. That's um, Benjamin Andre, and he was really, really like just all over the place. He was everywhere, rather. And mm. again, he, he put in a very good performance. But also, um, I think it has to be mentioned that... Um, um, Yusuf, yeah, Yusuf Yazici. His, his, his. I think this week is probably his best week in France <laughs> so far. He was absolutely fantastic. Uh, ended up with a goal and two assists. And I also talked about. I previously talked about you know his performance against Valencia, where he completely tore our left left back to shreds, as mm. in Jamie Costa. And once again, he he was really really like at the center of everything good that um, Lille were doing on that day so i think that um this formation is is really good i think it's it's the perfect formation for them now because you know with all the changes that happened between last season and this season um it it wasn't so sure that the the what worked last season was going to keep working especially with the fact that pepe is out and some of the other key players so i think um Gautier needed to find something that would work with the set of players that he has now Obviously, he signed them for probably a different purpose, a different you know plan in his head, but it hasn't quite worked out. But I think this one, with what I've seen of it so far, it looks pretty balanced. And I actually think that this 3-4-3 is one of the most balanced formations in football. So it's so Ooh. suited, very, very, very suited to the players that he has. You know, and defensively, they they've looked very solid. I don't think I think um, Bordeaux didn't get a shot at all until sometime in the second half. So, I mean, it, it shows that. It, and Bordeaux had like almost equal possession at that point. And in fact, at the end, by the end of the game, Bordeaux had more possession, but they were able to use it for anything because of how the setup was. Sumare and Andre in the center doing what they do, and Zeki Chalik and uh, Renaudo out wide. It was just like really, really solid and it restricted the Bordeaux attack while also giving um Lille the impetus to actually attack and, and, and you know cause and wreck Avoc. So I think it's a great formation. I think they should stick with it. I think it's perfect. And it was interesting to see um to hear Galtier speak last week when he was saying that you know he had come to realize that 
his he didn't have the same squad as the previous season and that he would need to find a new plan and adapt you know the way his team works to to his current squad and it seems they you know they've had a reflection over that about that over the past uh, week or yeah. maybe a little bit more and it's implemented quite well but mo i wanted to ask you if we compare the way lille pressed bordeaux to the way marseille attempted to press psg is the difference that that lille were more organized in their pressing or is bordeaux just bad i mean bordeaux were, were shockingly bad because <laughs> was really at the center of that if you look at how they gave up the goals um you know, in in that in that game, but what what Lil did was that they were very organised. It was coordinated. It was intense, um, and there was there was a shape in their pattern. Whereas yesterday in Marseille, it was there were gaps that were exploited over and over again, which is why Icardi was able to score carbon copy goals. And if you're going to press, you need the intensity that comes with it. You need to be tight. You need to be absorbing, um, you know, that pressure or be able to absorb that pressure. And really stick onto it after 90 minutes. And Lille did that to a certain extent, but obviously they were aided by a very poor opposition. Whereas Marseille were you know, the poor opposition um, themselves. Um, so, yeah, there wasn't really much of a comparison, I think. Mm. And Philippe, it was, you know, striking and almost frustrating as neutral to see that even though Bordeaux were completely failing to build out from the back, there was no other plan. It, they were still trying to do the same thing over and over or else sometimes just hoofing it and losing it immediately. It, they seemed completely lost. You see, that is, that is their plan for, for, the, for the season. And mm. uh, this resulted in uh, three goalless games in their last four encounters. Uh, the, only, the only game they scored, uh, the, only, uh, yeah, the only time they scored as four games was at Toulouse when they won three one, and they actually haven't done anything at all at home since uh, uh, two two old war against Brest. It, it's just, I mean, I just, I've been, I've been extremely critical of this club's uh, management and strategy and and what have you, uh, but it just still hasn't hasn't changed. Even if if they went under under American ownership. Um, the squad isn't particularly good. Koscielny, you don't really understand why he's at the club. It's uh, the, the uh, yeah. I'm uh, I'm sorry to to say this once once again, but mm. the squad isn't. I, I just don't see the squad being uh, that great, and they're still selling their best players. And nothing major really happened last last uh, last summer, except except getting Koscielny, who uh, who is. Fine, but uh, you know, probably not the, the probably not uh, the, the the guy who has uh, the right edge to put the kind of input that you would you would want in in a player. It's uh, it's just uh, the club is just at such a standstill. Again, I feel very very sad for the border fans who are who are listening to us uh, <laughs> because uh, it's been like this since they won the the title, which was something like ten years ago. So yeah, yeah, bad one. And Koscielny was, I mean, he was clearly to blame for the second goal, giving away the penalty in a rather classic, panicky Koscielny style. Um, the first goal wasn't so much him. It was kind of Pablo and Otavio really messed up at the back um, to let Yazici through. It was a great finish from Benjamin André, I must say. Even though Lille were outnumbering Bordeaux on, on that attack, 
it was a very tight angle for him to curl around the defender and just inside the post. Uh, so th that was a really good goal. His first for Lille, just like Youssef Yazici. Um, let's move on to uh, Lyon. Lyon won their first match under Rudy Garcia, 2-0 at home to Metz. Does anybody want to talk about Memphis Depay being captain and, and scoring again? Yeah, um, I thought that uh, he he uh, he did Garcia a great favor. Hmm. It would be interesting to uh, to hear uh, Marseille's views on uh, on uh, Marseille fans' views on Garcia's being your manager because uh, the bad guns, so the uh, Lyon ultras, have been very um, vocal about their discontent of uh, Rudy Garcia being appointed uh, Lyon manager after what uh, he said while he was at Marseille. We're hmm. not we're not. We we never got got what the Marseille fans thought about this uh, this appointment, but anyway, I mean the 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 overall uh, sentiment is pretty bad. Uh, the ground was not full, uh, was probably half full, and uh, oh, wow. from yeah. open play, Lyon weren't sorry. No, sorry, yeah, continue. From open play, uh, Lyon weren't very good. It's just that the price scored a goal, the first goal on his own, and the second one was a penalty. So I think there are some things. To improve, uh, to improve under under Garcia from open play, but they do have uh, quality players, and Garcia does know uh, does know how to uh, how to perform with quality players. So I do I do believe that uh, you will have a better season with him than uh, if had they stuck with uh, Silvino, um, and that uh, yeah they should get points and get back up uh, the table uh, uh, one game at a time, shall we say. Um, but uh, yeah, for, for the time being, it's uh, very ordinary. Yeah, that, that was an interesting question about how Marseille fans felt about Garcia. Mo, do you have any insight on, on that? They're welcome to him, is, is my short answer. Um, <laughs> and I think, <laughs> I think um, we spoke about this uh, you know, a bit last week, um, mm. in that, you know, it, it will appear okay now um in that you know he he will change things that needs to be changed after the Sylvania era um I mean they did relatively okay midweek in the Champions League you know if it wasn't for that sort of clangor from Lopez and and they oh, notched the victory in the very standard game uh this week but I think the, the test is coming up with you know tough games in the Champions League you've got Benfica and then you've got the, the longer way to reunion in the Velodrome coming up which i'll be going to and i'm very very excited for that mm. um and you know it will all appear now but when the going gets tough what garcia has been criticized heavily over the last couple of years is his lack of a plan b and you know genesio had that to an extent he was very oft criticized but somehow still turned it around in maintaining and you know playing towards key objectives um and Garcia has not. Garcia has not against against big teams in the Champions League with winning only a handful of times. I think his win rate was, you know, twenty like twenty something percent in the Champions League or something like that. Um, you know, it will come, and I think you it will become apparent. Maybe not now. Maybe towards the end of the season. Hopefully, if not a little bit sooner, um, <laughs> that this was a ill uh, sort of choice uh, from Oles and Co. All right. He's not bad. I mean, he's he's not he's not awful, but 
But he's has, he has a ceiling. I mean, they're very much like a... He's not awful. A, so, no. <laughs> Sorry? No, he's not awful. In, it's just that it's just that he's, you know, when he signed for Marseille, you know, being, being maybe a bit too harsh here, when he signed yeah, in 2016, he was a coach that was of a higher standard than where Marseille were at. And we're very thankful for what he did in bringing sort of a team together, you know, snatching that fifth place in 2017 to launch it back to the Europa League. And of course, the Europa League run, things were very, very good. But when things started to fall apart, mainly because of their inactivity, inability to master the transfer market, and clubs started to find out how Marseille were playing, you know, a very certain 4 2 3 1. Um, and mm. Marseille would always be on the front foot in the vast majority of games, you know. And when teams started to find that out, there was no plan B. Um, and the whole sort of you know, house of cards started falling down. And when that happens, as was the case in Roma, as was the case, you know, in Lille, and and now, um, you know, last last year in Marseille, things can unravel very quickly. It's got no answer for it. So for now, obviously, Lyon are in the ascendancy. It's early days. Things will start looking good, possibly. Um, they possibly will be our favourites to qualify for the Champions League again. Things will, you know, sort of simmer down. But you'll enter a patch next season or maybe this season at the end of the year where wins will come at a premium. And his response to that may left, you know, leave fans with a bit of, you know, displeasure. One thing I, I forgot to mention last week, which I really wanted to was that for the first match after uh, against Dijon, the very first thing Lyon did it was uh, apply the signature Garcia move of kicking the ball out into touch from the from the kickoff of the match deep into Dijon's half, and it was immediately booed by the stadium. <laughs> um, well, so <laughs> it was so after. Do you think, do you think Lyon will finish above Marseille, Mo? Yes. Okay. I mean, they've they really got no excuse not to. I'd be very surprised <laughs> if uh, if Marseille finish above Leon, um, but we'll see how that goes. Okay. All right. I'm going to read through some of the uh, some summaries of the rest of the Liga action. Feel free to stop me if you have something to add. Uh, the other Sunday match was Saint Etienne Amiens, which was a little bit chaotic, going back and forth. Uh, Kazri opened the scoring with his first goal in around six months. Amiens then went on to take the lead and uh, a late own goal from Dibassi meant that uh, the final score was 2-all. Saint-Étienne still undefeated under Claude Puel. Um, Monaco-Nantes. Nantes are still second somehow in the league despite suffering a second... Yeah... <laughs> Uh, you lose two games in a row, you're second. <laughs> Especially given how tight it is just underneath them. It, that, it's yeah, crazy. Yeah. I mean, but, um, there's only 11 games in the season and they can afford to lose two games. It's still in a Champions League spot. It's just yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. Well, they, they lose in the same way that they win. A 1-0, which is uh, slightly miraculous because that meant that Monaco kept a clean sheet. Wissam Ben Yedder was the goal scorer, obviously. Uh, I think that's his ninth of this season, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, nine. Yeah. Uh, uh, other matches from Saturday on the multiplex. Strasbourg beat Nice 1-0. Some relief there for um, Thierry Loré, who rumour had it his job was, you know, threatened 
if uh, the result for that match and the following one didn't go well, but we got a win there. And tough times for Nice, who have failed to win their last five, I think it is. Brest beat Dijon 2-0. Yeah. Did anybody see the goal from Paul Lann? Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> What a volley, huh? Incredible volley, yeah. Yeah, a very, a very neat one. And then the final two matches, which I understand, Clinton, these were the two that you chose to watch in the multiplex. Montpellier, Angers and Reims, Nîmes. Nil-nil both. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I was just praying for a goal because I actually had a bet on <laughs> both um, Montpellier and Reims to win. And I kept hoping they would come out poor. Montpellier were really, really poor, I think. Um, Angers were actually... I mean, I, I, I feel like once Montpellier at home, they should, they, they are usually very, very dominant. It's when they go away that they, they start having that Jekyll and Hyde thing. But mm. um, somehow, Angers just seemed to be the more likely team to score. And um, they missed, they missed like some clerical chances. And really, in fact, it, it looked more like it was going to be an Angers win in the end. But um, somehow it ended goalless. But very underwhelming game, though. And, and what happened in Reims with a seven-minute VAR interruption? Uh, the the Reims game. Uh, yeah. I, I didn't see the second half, so I, I just oh, okay. wanted the first half, so I missed that. But... Well, I understand. Yeah, I think what happened was Nîmes scored a goal. Well, thought they oh, scored. Okay, the, the goal part, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, Oh, that, that lasted seven minutes. I saw that, but I didn't know it lasted. I thought, I thought it, you were talking about some other incident. Yeah, I, I still don't know why the goal was cancelled. That's from the corner, right? Yeah. Um, I think, um, well, I think the person who, flipped, who flicked the, the, the ball on for the goal um, was, came from an offside position. And, like, he ran back to well, do no, that. So I think that's um, why the goal was cancelled. The linesman thought that the corner... When the guy took the Went corner, round. it had swung out of the pitch before coming oh, back in. Because oh, oh. I, I was really trying to figure out what what happened, and I wasn't so sure. But I mean, it looked legit, so I just assumed that it was because the player ran back, like mm. he, he ran back. So I thought maybe it was offside or something. But it was it was it was something I didn't understand. I I, I don't think the ball went out. I'm not so sure. But I mean, they well, have the they have VR, so. In the end, no goal and uh, yet another clean sheet for Reims. Still only four goals conceded all season. That's, that's crazy. Yeah, eight clean sheets. Yeah. Um, in Ligue 2, Lorient fell to 3. Uh, 1-0 win for 3, but Lorient are still top of the league. Two points ahead. Uh, Ajaccio are, are closing down on them. They, they got a win. And Pascal Duprat got a win for the first time ever with with Caen, um, so that, that was a 4-2 win against Paris FC, another kind of chaotic game with goals going back and forth. For Paris's second side. I, I, go, I go and see them every now and then at Charlety. And, uh, oh, yeah? I mean, yeah, I went, I went to see Caen. They played at home to Lens, so it was beginning of October, I think it was, yeah, beginning of the month. And Caen mm. were really, really, really bad. And if, they, if that side can score four goals in your right yard, you're in big trouble. So uh, I'm, I fully expect Paris FC to go down. Well, Duprat can work miracles. We've seen it yeah. before. Um, in the Women's League, meanwhile, it was, uh, like last week, interestingly, uh, 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 the same matchup as uh, the 
Benz's game that we opened on in, in last week's show, um, in that PSG were playing Marseille this weekend in the Women's League, uh, earlier in the day from the men's match. It was in Marseille, all the Marseille ultras, well, not all of them, but there were Marseille ultras there present, seeing as they weren't allowed to go to Paris. It seemed to be quite a festive day, even though PSG ultimately got a win even bigger than the men's did. 5-0 win with two goals from Marie-Antoinette Catoto. PSG are still first, Marseille are 10th out of 12. Uh, Lyon won uh, again, but they're uh, still two points behind PSG. And they both play the return fixtures for their round of 16 in the Champions League uh, this week. But they both have 4-0 leads. They should be all right. And finally, at the U-17 World Cup, if anyone is interested, France won 2-0 against Chile for the first match, um, for their first match. Uh, two goals, a goal from Lucien Agoumet, who's been playing with Inter this season. And Isaac Liaji from, uh, from Marseille, Mo. Two 17-year-olds, obviously, at the U-17 World Cup. Uh, and, and a few others who have top-flight experience already in that side. Uh, so we might keep an eye on them. Um, the other matches in the group stage will be against South Korea and Haiti. That's all for today. Thank you, Clinton, for coming on. Oh, thank you. So happy to be here. Thank you, Philippe. No problem. Anytime. And thank you, Mo. I'll see you next week. Yes. See you next week. Thank you for all for listening. As always, you can get more French football news at GFFN on Twitter and getfootballnewsfrance.com. Thank you for listening and we'll talk to you next week.